The press get caught feeding questions to Joe Biden as the president struggles to answer basic questions from tiny children. Recession looms in the second quarter, and one in four high school students now says they are not straight. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them every single show. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, having a president of the United States who is 80 years old and is looking to run for re-election, he would be 86 when he finishes his second term. That's weird in and of itself. It's even more weird when that person is obviously in a state of cognitive decline. Now, I know a lot of 80-year-olds who are not in a state of cognitive decline, actually. There are a lot of people who are in really good shape at 80. People have spent their lives exercising. People have done brain exercises. People who have really aged well. Joe Biden is not one of these people. Joe Biden is very much not one of these people. So President Biden yesterday, he was doing some sort of event. It was bring your child to work day over at the White House. And so a bunch of people brought a bunch of kids in for Joe Biden to meet. And it went really, really badly because Joe Biden is just not capable any longer. He is a doddering elderly fellow who cannot answer the most basic questions, even from tiny children. So for example, Joe Biden combined mental incompetence with actual moral incompetence in this particular clip. He is asked by a small child about the location of his grandchildren. And it doesn't go well. One granddaughter lives in, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. One granddaughter lives in New York. One granddaughter lives in Washington. One granddaughter lives in Wilmington, Delaware. And the other grandsons, uh, my, my grandson lives in California. I left somebody out, didn't I? Anyway, I did say five. You're right. So let me see. I got one in New York, two in Philadelphia. There's a three. No, three, because I got one granddaughter who is, I don't know. Oh, Lord. That's not great. What makes it even more not great is that he does it like twice. Or he goes through this thing twice. Or he tries to name all of his grandkids. That's, you know, obviously... Cognitive decline, you know, tremendous fail. My parents have a bunch of grandkids and they can name where all the grandkids are. They have four kids and they have a bunch of grandkids and they can name where all the grandkids are because it's not actually all that difficult. In fact, I can name where all my nieces and nephews are located. <laughs> it really isn't all that difficult. Of course, I'm 39 and this person is more than twice as old as I am and he is president of the United States. And again, I am not 25. So that is not a great number. But here's the real moral problem. The real moral problem is he names six grandkids. There is, in fact, a seventh grandkid that he is not supposed to talk about. Why? Because he is squiring around Hunter Biden as though Hunter Biden is still a wonderful, decent human being. Hunter Biden is a garbage bag of a human being. Not only a person who has committed obvious crimes in his past and who may be involved in funneling cash to the rest of the Biden family, but also is the father of a child by an alleged stripper. And that child has never been acknowledged by Joe Biden. Hunter Biden, there, there's been actual DNA tests that show that the kid is Hunter Biden's. Hunter still refuses to pay for the kid or acknowledge the kid is his. According to Fox News, President Biden has yet again refused to acknowledge his son Hunter's estranged four-year-old daughter while speaking about his grandchildren as an Arkansas paternity case involving the ordeal heats up. On Thursday, Biden spoke to the staffer's kids on Take Our Kids to Work Day, saying he speaks to his six grandchildren daily and is crazy about them. But Biden ignored his seventh grandchild, Navy Joan Roberts, who Hunter had with ex-stripper London Roberts, a trend that has continued for some time. Biden has repeatedly acted as if the kid doesn't exist. December 2022 marked the second Christmas season in a row that the White House left Hunter's out-of-wedlock daughter out of a Christmas stocking display. Before that, in 2020, Biden said he and his wife, Jill Biden, had five grandchildden forgetting about a newborn Hunter had just had with his wife, Melissa Cohen. 
And the stumble later forced a correction from the first lady who said they have six, again, leaving out Navy Joan. Not wonderful stuff. Not wonderful stuff. I mean, at some point, you would expect that the president of the United States might at least note that he has this grandkid. I mean, he is the president of the United States. So not not a wonderful thing. But again, back to the sort of mental incompetence. This is not the only evidence of mental incompetence from the president of the United States yesterday being grilled by the tiny kids. So the tiny kids ask him, when was the last time you went out of the country? The answer is Ireland. It was like last week. You don't have to have an amazing memory to remember when he went over to Ireland, especially if you're the person who went over to Ireland. Here is Joe Biden being flustered and confused by the question. What was the last country you traveled to? The last country I've traveled, I'm thinking once was the last one I was in. I, I've, I've been to 89, I met with 89 heads of state so far. So uh, I'm trying to think, what was the last, where was the last place I was? It's hard to keep track. Um, I was, I, I mean, yeah, you're right, Ireland. That's where it was. How'd you know that? How'd he, how'd the kid know that? Because you were on the TVs in Ireland. The small child knows. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, this guy, he, he's losing it, obviously. And not only is he losing it, he also happens to be in charge of our nation's policy. So he says silly things like this. He said yesterday, he says the right to life means the right to have a good life. No, it's what? N- n- no, actually, it, no, because that's a really arbitrary definition. Here was the president yesterday. Endowed by their creator, endowed by God, with certain inalienable rights, meaning rights that are just they have just because they're born. And those rights are life, to have a good life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The right to have a good life. No, no, okay. So there's a reason that this is relevant. The reason is because any press worth its salt would actually be asking this person difficult questions. He's the most powerful person on the face of the earth. And every day they're given the privilege of asking questions to the most powerful person on the face of the earth. And a person who's supposed to be answerable to the demands of 340 million Americans. But they're not doing that. And they're not doing that because the press are Joe Biden's Praetorian Guard. We'll get to that momentarily first. I want to talk to you about Daily Wire's most trusted privacy partner and the premier sponsor of my show, ExpressVPN. Going online without ExpressVPN, it's like leaving your kids with the nearest stranger while using the restroom. Most of the time, probably fine. You never know who you're trusting. Why would you ever risk that? That's why you need to be using ExpressVPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network, cafes, hotels, airports, basically any network that is not your home network, your online data is not secure. Any hacker on that same network can gain access to and steal your personal data. We're talking passwords, financial details, you name it. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so hackers can't steal your data and sell your personal information on the dark web. ExpressVPN has made it easier than ever to keep your information safe. I love ExpressVPN because it's super easy to use. Just fire up the app, click one button, plus it works on all my devices. We're talking phone, laptop, even my Wi-Fi router. Secure your online data by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You get an extra three months for free. Expressvpn.com slash Ben. I've been relying on them for years. They keep my internet activity safe. They can do the exact same thing for you. Secure your online data the smart way. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben. Again, expressvpn.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, war, political and economic upheaval dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. 
It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. Okay, so the press theoretically should be asking difficult questions of this doddering old fool who happens to be in charge of the most powerful engine of economic growth and military power in the history of humanity. I mean, what a privilege, right? I mean, you actually get to ask questions of a person who's in charge of the most powerful military force on the planet in all of planetary history and the person who's in charge of the most powerful economy in human history. Instead, what you do is like a bunch of sycophantic, sycophantic servants, you submit your questions in advance to the president's team so that he can call on you and you can pretend to ask the question back to him. So if they were just submitting a bunch of written questions and then you were answering, right? You're just reading it off a list. That'd be one thing. But he's pretending. It's all pretend. It's all a show. That's what was shown the other day when Joe Biden was actually pictured holding a card. On the card is a picture of the reporter, Courtney Subramanian. Okay? And Courtney Subramanian, there's a picture of her. There's a phonetic spelling of her name. It says question number one. And then you can see the actual question says foreign policy slash semiconductor manufacturing. How are you squaring your domestic priorities like reshoring semiconductor manufacturing with alliance based foreign policy? This may turn into a theme about friction around and then you can't really see the rest of what you're saying. So that's what it says on the card, right? It sums up the question. Here is Supermanian's actual question, right? Here is what she actually asked. Your top economic priority has been to build up U.S. domestic manufacturing in competition with China. But your rules against expanding chip manufacturing in China is hurting South Korean companies that rely heavily on Beijing. Are you damaging a key ally in the competition with China to help your domestic politics ahead of the election? Okay, now imagine that he hadn't been fed that question in advance. Hey, imagine that she had just hit him with that right off the top, right? Question number one would have been, are you damaging your alliance with South Korea by reshoring semiconducting, semiconductor manufacturing to the United States in order to avoid Chinese dominance? And that's an actual pretty good question, right? There's nothing wrong with the question itself. But when you submit it in advance to Joe Biden so his team can create spin around it, you don't actually get an honest answer. And that's the whole point. The press don't want honest answers. They want a rehearsed answer from the current president of the United States so he doesn't look bad. So now, who are you going to believe? Your own eyes, I just showed you the evidence, the actual picture of the card with the question on it, juxtaposed with the actual reporter's question. The Los Angeles Times is denying submitting questions to the White House, according to Fox News, ahead of Wednesday's press conference. The vice president of communications for the LA Times, Hillary Manning, provided the following statement to Fox News Digital, quote, our reporter did not submit any questions in advance of the Q&A with President Biden. Courtney Subramanian covers the White House for the LA Times. As such, she's in regular contact with the White House press office seeking information for her, for her reporting. You would have to ask the White House who prepared the document for the president and why they included that question. The White House has not responded to any sort of actual question about any of that. Caitlin Collins, who's the CNN White House correspondent, she said, quote, it's not uncommon 
for the White House to prepare these types of briefing materials for the president. But it's the level of specificity that's in the spotlight. As you note, the note card included the name and the photo of the reporter and a possible question. Now, it's worth noting her question was not identical to what was on the note. Yeah, it was. I mean, it really was pretty much identical to what was on the note card. This is not just amazing advance work by Joe Biden's team. Somebody gave him the answers, right? Somebody gave him the cheat sheet. And this has been true throughout his presidency. You've seen him because he's not with it. Spill that over and over in press conferences. He will literally go up there with a list of questioners. And then he will say, Subramanian from the Los Angeles Times. And then if somebody asks a question, like, well, you're not on my, I don't know, you're not on my list. I'm not, I'm not sure. The White House is trying to pretend that this is normal. It is not normal in any way, shape or form. This is why Joe Biden has been absolutely avoiding serious press conferences for years on end at this point. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre, who also should avoid serious questions because she's really bad at it, trying to pretend this is all normal. The LA Times said that their reporter did not submit any questions in advance of yesterday's press conference. So to people who saw that pocket card, can you explain how that ended up there and why the president needed something like that? So just to just to step back, and I'm actually glad you asked that question. Uh, clearly, I would let uh, uh, the, the reporter for uh, Los Angeles Times speak for herself. Uh, it is entirely normal for a president to be briefed on reporters who will be asking questions at a press conference and issues that we expect they might ask about. Uh, it is not surprising that yesterday uh, we would anticipate questions that he did receive, right, on the visit uh, with, uh, with the South Korean president. We are just amazing in predicting the exact wording of questions from exact reporters. It's like amazing. How the, we're so good at this, guys. That's the answer. Now, even some members of the media who happen to be slightly more honest are like, yeah, no, that, that doesn't wash. John Avalon at CNN, for example, he's like, yeah, that doesn't look very good. Biden at 80 is the oldest president in American history. And if reelected, he'd be 86 by the end of his second term. What do you make of how he addressed it? Um, it was not very artful. I mean, look, I know that President Biden is frustrated by the constant questions about his age, but they exist for a reason. I mean, you know, ending a second term at age 86 is unprecedented territory. Eisenhower yeah, even was Jim Clyburn said this is a really legitimate question to ask. It absolutely is. And, and, and it doesn't help matters when, you know, you see him getting cheat sheets for, you know, questions and interviews and things like that. He has been a consequential president, but this is a totally legitimate area of concern. And polls bear that out. Now, Paul Farhi from The Washington Post says the same thing. He says it's very common for the White House to ask the press pool kind of what's on your mind and get sort of advanced notions of what kinds of questions could be answered. But the specificity is very different. According to Farhi, in their advanced conversations, reporters rarely offer anything as specific as Subramanian's topic. The typical answer is news of the day, which leaves the options for questioning the president open. You don't want to give away your questions, said the veteran reporter. It's incredibly bad form to do that. Subramanian has not responded to a request for comment. The LA Times says, that Supermanian did not provide the White House officials with a specific or even general question in advance of the news conference. However, on Tuesday, the reporter mentioned to official semiconductors were one of several topics she might want to cover. And the White House is just pretending they're amazing at this. I, no, they're lying. They're lying. Okay, the press are acting in cahoots with this administration that is perfectly clear at every step of the way. We'll get to why this matters in just one second. First, if you run a business, you got to actually be efficient about how you run your business. Here's one thing you cannot afford to do. Take a bunch of packages, put them in your car, Spend 20 minutes driving down to the post office, standing in line for 45 minutes, and then finally getting to the front of the line and paying too much for the actual postage. Post office is great, but that's not what you need. What you need is stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels directly from your home or office. It's ready to go in minutes, so you can get back to running your business sooner. Stamps.com offers rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, they automatically tell you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. 
For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the shipping services you need to run your business directly from your computer. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. You can print postage wherever you do business. They even send you a free scale so you'll have everything you need to get started. Here at Daily Wire, we don't waste our time. We've been using Stamps.com since 2017. You should do the same. Set your business up for success. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code Shapiro for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and free digital scale. No long-term commitments, no contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, enter code Shapiro to get started. Okay, so this president is not capable of answering questions from small children, let alone the press. So it's a good thing that the press are guarding him closely for the Democrats. Because if you were ever exposed to the actual harsh sunlight, the disinfecting sunshine of actual harsh questioning, he would collapse. He's been lying his entire administration from the debacle in Afghanistan to the economy. He lies on the routine and everybody pretends that he's honest. Right? Daniel Dale has been put in the witness protection, protection program over at CNN. This is the guy who needs to bring on during the Trump administration to talk about how Donald Trump was the worst liar who had ever lied. He made Pinocchio look like Look like Jesus, right? That's how bad Donald Trump was. Well, now it's it, it's an amazing thing. Now Joe Biden, who is a habitual liar, I mean, he lies about. Is there an element of his past he has not lied about? He literally lied two days ago about the hospital where he was born, and he's told lies about every single element of his life up to now. He was a civil rights hero who was jailed. No, he wasn't. He was somebody who was in favor of gay marriage in 1952. No, he wasn't. He's somebody who is served an absolutely spotless, clean public. No, what? Hunter Biden is the smartest person he knows. I mean, all he does is lie. He lies day in and day out. And it's not just lying about his past, it's lying about the present. He lies that Jim Crow 2.0 is the big threat in Georgia. And then you get record black turnout in Georgia. He lies by saying democracy is under threat because a couple of hundred criminals decided that they were going to attempt violence at the January 6th riot and Hundreds of others were just sort of milling around. And this was a threat to our democracy so grave that he must win a second term. He's a liar when it comes to his policy with regard to China. China is threatening Taiwan. He's like, well, maybe we should just be nice to them. I mean, is there a thing that Joe Biden has not lied about? His dishonesty is part of his entire appeal. Joe Biden has been lying since he first ran for president in 1988 while plagiarizing speeches from Neil Kinnock. He is a, he is a liar, a really, really bad liar. You know, I recall that when then in 2012, when Paul Ryan was debating him in the vice presidential debate, he just started randomly lying about French presence in Lebanon and, and American presence. And he just started making up stories. It was crazy towns. But nobody calls him on it because he puts on the he slaps on the Joker grin, and the Ray-Bans and the media just start ooing and eyeing. It's an amazing thing. So you would imagine that maybe somebody should ask him some tough questions once in a while. Nope, the press are in his pocket. Legacy media, Delenda asked, the legacy media are gross. They're in the pocket of the Democratic Party. Even pretending that they are a separate organ from the Democratic Party at this point is a lie. They simply work for the Democratic Party. Again, the transformation happened in 2009. When Barack Obama was elected in 2008 and he took office in 2009, the media decided that they were the White House press office. There was no distinction. They were one and the same. It, it, it's an amazing thing to watch. And this is why Joe Biden is able to count on the fact that the media will presumably continue to not ask him tough questions about his economic policy, for example. To take the latest battle that is that is an example of this, the Republicans passed what is, in fact, an incredibly mild law with regard to cuts. OK, so they are talking now about the debt ceiling. Kevin McCarthy, who the media portrayed as a complete incompetent boob, he was never going to be able to, to get a, a majority together for anything as Speaker of the House. Well, he did. He put together a 217 vote majority. There, there's sort of four Republicans who will never vote for anything because this is their game. But you got 217 Republicans to vote in favor of this debt ceiling bill. The debt ceiling bill 
raises the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion or one year, whichever comes first. And in return, it asks for discretionary spending to be cut to 2022 levels. Okay, you may remember in 2022, we spent a boatload of money. In 2022 levels, that's not like a major ask. We're not talking about we have to cut discretionary spending back to 2010 levels even. No, we're talking about like a year ago. Just keep the discretionary spending at 2022 levels and then increase it year on year by 1%. That is what Kevin McCarthy is asking for. So the media are playing this as though Kevin McCarthy is asking for the moon and is attempting to take a broad axe to government spending, which is not even remotely true, all in an attempt to prop up Joe Biden's pathetic economic policy. Well, even some members of the media are being forced to recognize that the, they didn't expect McCarthy to actually get this thing through. Now that they did get the thing through, they're presumably going to portray the Republicans as the bad guys in all of this. They, they do have a serious problem on their hands, however. And this is something they're beginning to face up to. In the Senate right now, the Democrats have a problem. They have a 51-vote majority. However, one member of the Senate, Dianne Feinstein, has shingles. The reason I put shingles in air quotes right there is because the reason that she's not in the Senate is because she, like Joe Biden, is mentally incompetent, but way more so. Everyone in the Senate knows this. The senator from California does not have brain function. I mean, John Fetterman has mental problems. Dianne Feinstein is not actually, like, she's not active. She's off the stage. Everyone knows this, including the Democrats, which means she is not available to actually vote, which means it is currently a 50 to 49 split in the Senate, granting extraordinary power to Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, John Tester. These are all sort of red state, but blue, blue seat Senate members. All of them are going to have to negotiate now this debt ceiling battle. Democrats have painted themselves in the corner. The good news is they can always count on the media to get them out of it. We'll get to that in just one second. First, I love watching baseball. I love rooting for the White Sox, except for this year, because they're absolutely awful. Like They're bad in every way. But prize picks makes it a lot more fun, which is good, because again, the White Sox suck. Prize picks is the easiest and fastest way to play daily fantasy sports. You pick two to six players and you choose whether they will score more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competition against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on pretty much every sport there is. NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college sports, disc golf, whatever you're into, they have prize picks for you. The app is really sleek. It's easy to use. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Withdrawals are safe and fast. Producer Jake has been raving about prize picks. He recently made entries on the NBA and NHL playoffs. He says that the interface is incredibly simplified. It's really easy to use, a lot easier than other fancy sports apps. And Jake is up on his pick, so good for Jake. He's not allowed to win too much or he might leave. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com, sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First-time users receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code BEN. If you deposit 100, PrizePix gives you 100. If you deposit 50, PrizePix gives you 50. Don't forget to enter promo code BEN and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay, so as I say, the Democrats have a problem when it comes to this debt ceiling bill. Republicans have passed it. It includes what are, by any historic measure, extraordinarily mild cuts. The Democratic press is going to play this as though Republicans are standing in the way of increasing the debt ceiling, and therefore the economy is going to fall on its face. The problem is that because Dianne Feinstein has basically brought the number of Democratic senators down to 50 from 51, this means that the Democrats are now going to have to make a deal with Joe Manchin or Kirsten Sinema or John Chester. And when I say, or I mean all three. Manchin is running in West Virginia, probably against the West Virginia governor. So the West Virginia governor right now is, uh, I believe, Jim Justice. Jim Justice has said, pretty popular over there, he has said that he's going to run for the Senate or he's implied he's going to run for the Senate. Manchin is looking forward to losing his job unless he actually scores a win off of Joe Biden. Joe Biden just jacked him on the Inflation Reduction Act. 
Remember on the Inflation Reduction Act, it was Joe Manchin who signed on the dotted line in return for some special giveaways for coal and natural gas in his home state. And now Joe Biden is not giving any of those subsidies for the coal or the natural gas. And so now Manchin is ticked at him. So theoretically, Joe Biden is going to have to go negotiate with Manchin or Kirsten Sinema in Arizona, who is now relabeled as an independent and is not running as a Democrat anymore, or John Tester, who is from Montana, a state where he could easily lose his seat if he decides to vote too much to the left. So all three of them could score concessions in conjunction with Republicans from Joe Biden. The good news is the Democrats are set because the press will continue to defend them no matter what. According to Politico, the White House and congressional Democrats are preparing to ramp up attacks on House Republicans over the bill, targeting swing district members for endorsing policies that would strip investments in their home districts and get and gut funding for popular programs. By the way, some of the things that, that the Republicans have proposed are like, maybe you need to work in order to receive Medicaid. Like if you wish to if you wish to actually get welfare dollars, there have to be work requirements attached. You know who approves of that? Pretty much everybody in the United States. We all believe that if you want to get some government largesse, then you have to actually put your feet on the pavement and start actually going to work. Biden's party insists it's feeling little pressure to deliver on House Speaker McCarthy's biggest ask, a true negotiation over the debt ceiling. Chris Kuhn says, if you reward hostage taking, it simply repeats. I don't expect the president to now say, oh my gosh, you passed a bill with two votes that imposes draconian cuts across programs most Americans would never support. Biden is refusing to budge from his demand Congress pass an unconditional increase to the debt ceiling. Okay, well, again, there's some Democrats who want Biden to negotiate. The, what, what's hilarious is watching yeah, you know, the obvious pardons that, for example, the Washington Post try to square the circle. So the editorial board over there, even they are saying it's time for Joe Biden to call McCarthy a lot. They say in an ideal world, House Republicans would do their duty and lift the debt limit without exacting a ransom. Later, they acknowledge it's true. President Biden and Congress need to discuss spending. The nation is on a fiscally unsustainable course. But they don't care. They think that, that Joe Biden is, you know, is in the right and Republicans should not even negotiate over this thing. So. Again, Biden is stuck sort of between a rock and a hard place. But no matter what happens, he will have the love of the media to back him up. Presumably, this includes on the economic front, where U.S. economic growth slipped in the first quarter in the midst of still high inflation and rising interest rates. According to The Wall Street Journal, U.S. GDP, a measure of the value of all the goods and services produced in the country, rose at an inflation and seasonally adjusted 1.1% annual rate from January to March. That is a significant slowdown from 2.6% growth in the fourth quarter, according to the Commerce Department. Consumption continues to be high because of the inflation. Businesses, however, are pulling back sharply, drawing down inventories, cutting equipment purchases, reducing housing investment. Many economists are predicting a recession in the second half of the year as the Federal Reserve continues its campaign to cool the economy and lower inflation. Meanwhile, the systemic banking problems that have plagued this economy are not going away. According to the Wall Street Journal's Greg Ipp, quote, the biggest question facing the economy lately has been how bad will the banking turmoil be? Though two U.S. banks failed a month ago and a third is still struggling, emergency lending by the Federal Reserve seems to have prevented broader harm. But the question should be, will it spread beyond the banks? That is because the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank a month ago, which touched off this bout of turmoil, was a symptom, not a cause, of broader forces at work in the financial system and the economy. A lot of banks own devalued bonds, just like Silicon Valley Bank. But that's just the tip of a debt iceberg since the end of 2009. Total debt owed by governments, business, and households has risen 90% to 68 trillion dollars. That's the total debt owed by governments, business, and households. All outstanding debt is $68 trillion, according to the Federal Reserve. Since early last year, interest rates have risen at their fastest pace since the early 1980s. When the interest rates go up, the value of an existing loan or a bond goes down. Regardless of accounting treatment, the economic reality is bonds and loans are worth a lot less than when they were issued, and somebody is going to have to bear those losses. 
Banks are the most visible debt holders, but collectively, just as much debt is held by pension and mutual funds, private credit funds, life insurers, business development companies, hedge funds, and other non-banks, or as they're called, shadow banks. For a long, only investor who doesn't borrow, such as a pension or mutual fund, the losses have few systemic consequences beyond feeling a little poorer. But for financial intermediaries, it's a lot more complicated because what they earn on their assets has now shrunk a lot relative to what they pay for the funding. So in other words, we are not remotely done with the fiscal crisis that has been caused by the inflation followed on by radical increases in the interest rates that were necessary in order to tamp down the inflation. So why are members of the media not asking the Biden administration about this? No comment from the White House? They're just going to whistle their way through the dark? On this one. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's administration continues to facilitate the worst border crisis in American history. They've had over 6 million encounters between Border Patrol and people crossing the border over the course of Joe Biden's administration. Over 1.3 million gotaways, people who, those are the known gotaways. That does not include the unknown gotaways. A huge percentage of the people who are coming to the border are then shipped into the interior of the United States. They're not receiving appointments at the border for literally years on end, which means by the time they do, they're already well integrated into American society or receiving state welfare dollars or emergency benefits or whatever it is. Well, now the Biden administration is announcing new efforts to limit the flow of unauthorized migrants across the southern border, including the opening of processing centers in the region. The announcement came two weeks before the scheduled court-ordered lifting of Title 42. So prepare for a giant wave of illegal immigration when Title 42, which was the rule that allowed our border patrol to simply turn people away at the border saying you might have COVID, when that expires, you're going to see a giant wave at the border. In a joint appearance at the State Department on Thursday, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, said would-be migrants should not mistake the expiration of Title 42 for a green light to cross the border. So Mayorkas tried to claim that our border is not open, which is going to be heard by precisely no one since the Biden administration policy has been, if you make it across the border, you get to stay, basically. Our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. And yet Mallorca still, the incompetent Department of Homeland Security secretary, he still says, guys, we're going to get another surge. Here it comes. We have been preparing for this transition for more than a year and a half. Notwithstanding those preparations, we do expect that encounters at our southern border will increase. Now, Mallorca says that he is going to use Title Eight, which allows people to be basically barred for five years from the United States if you're caught crossing illegally and potential criminal charges for people trying to enter the country illegally repeatedly, which sounds very Trumpy, right? Except for the fact that the actual solution posited by the Biden administration on all of this is hemispheric. So Mallorca says the real problem here is not our border policy. The real problem is not that we don't have enough border patrol agents or that we should be turning people away or remain in Mexico or any of the rest of that. The real problem is in El Salvador. Unless we solve this problem hemispherically, then we're just going to have to absorb the blow. As the secretary described, this is a hemispheric challenge that demands hemispheric solutions. Working with our neighbors in the region, we can and will reduce the number of migrants who reach our southern border. The regional processing centers announced today will be a critical addition to the programs and processes DHS has in place for qualifying individuals to obtain authorization to enter the United States before arriving at our borders. So does anyone actually believe they're going to effectuate this? Why is it that this immigration problem has been allowed to percolate for years on end under Joe Biden? The answer is again, because all of the members of the press who are hardcore on Donald Trump being a cruel, inhumane person at the border, they have nothing to say about Joe Biden leaving the border pretty much open. It's pretty astonishing stuff. In just one second, we'll get to the Republican frontrunner on the other side, the person 
who right now by the polls is most likely to take on Joe Biden. That, of course, is President Trump. We'll get to that momentarily first. You know about the big cell phone wireless companies out there. They lock you into bad contracts. If you try to get out of them early, they tack on the outrageous charges. You don't need that in this economic climate. This is why I made the switch to Pure Talk. There are no hidden fees, no contracts, no hassle. Pure Talk has a range of affordable cell phone plans to choose from. You can find the perfect option for your needs, like unlimited talk, text, plenty of data for just 30 bucks a month. Pure Talk saves the average family over $900 per year. Think about what you could do with that money. Hey, you know, when I when I need to call a friend because, you know, I want to nerd out over TV or something, I need my cell phone actually working. And that's particularly true when I'm talking about not nerddom, but actual business calls. I use Pure Talk for all my business calls. You're not going to get the cheap, inconsistent service with Pure Talk. You get the same coverage you're used to at half the rate you're currently paying. I use Pure Talk. Their 5G service is really fast. It doesn't drop my calls. Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team helps me make the switch in as little as 10 minutes. I was even able to keep my cell phone number. Not only will this save you money, you'll also get the satisfaction of knowing that you're helping to support a great American company because the CEO and chairman of Pure Talk is a military veteran. And when you become a Pure Talk customer, you're given the option to support America's warrior partnership. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code Shapiro, save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Also, if you, along with tens of millions of other people, watched Netflix's hit show, Making a Murderer, you're going to love Daily Wire Plus's new exclusive 10-part series with Candace Owens, Convicting a Murderer, coming this summer. So Making a Murderer painted a picture of an innocent man set up by the Manitowoc County Sheriff's Department. It seems like a major miscarriage of American justice. Members of the left have been gloating for years about the corruption they supposedly discovered among members of the police force. Trust me, the truth is way more shocking than anybody expected. Candace is boldly investigating the notorious Stephen Avery case and once again exposing lies around the narrative surrounding police misconduct. She's disclosing the shocking parts of Avery's story that were completely omitted in the Netflix series. And there's this whole spate of series out there from Netflix and Spotify and Wondery all about supposedly innocent murderers. And it turns out, yeah, not so much. Is there an innocent man behind bars or did the real miscarriage of justice happen when Hollywood decided to get involved in the case? Find out this summer in our new explosive series, Convicting a Murderer exclusively on Daily Wire Plus. But don't wait until then to sign up right now and get 35% off your membership with code TRUTH. The offer is not going to be available for long. So become a member today. Be here when the truth finally comes out. Join us at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Also, when you do that, by the way, you also get a brand new episode of my show, The Search. It's airing on Daily Wire Plus tonight. This month's special guest is The Daily Wire's very own Andrew Clavin. It's a fun and I think enlightening conversation. It may, in fact, be um, Andrew Clavin's valedictory because you never know when the man's going to go. To watch this episode and all episodes of The Search, including our last episode with Megyn Kelly, become a Daily Wire Plus member today. You'll get instant access to the entire Daily Wire Plus library of shows, movies, documentaries, upcoming kids content, and more. Just go to dailywirepluscom So Joe Biden is vulnerable, but not from the media. Obviously, they're going to protect him every step of the way, which means that Republicans need an aggressive candidate. There are a couple of options, but obviously the person who is currently front-running in the polls is former President Trump, by the available polls, if you look at the national primary, he's up by somewhere between 20 and 30 points. Now, that, that is a big lead. Now, I'll, I'll remind you that if you go all the way back to like the 2008 election season, Hillary Clinton also had a very big lead on Barack Obama before all of that fell apart. And we've seen various people who have leading, leading races this early on. But Trump is obviously the guy with the momentum. He's obviously the guy in the lead right now. And that brings us to today's episode of Good Trump, Bad Trump. Good Trump. Which one will we get today? Okay, so we begin today with, yes, some good Trump. Yay, good Trump. It's always fun when you get a little bit of good Trump. So yesterday, Trump did a rally. The most traffic part of his rally is where he did his uh, routine imitating a female weightlifter trying to pick up a weight and then a male lifter trying to pick up the weight. It went viral because it was taken out of context to suggest physical actions um, of, a different, of a different kind and so on. But the, the good Trump part of this rally is in Manchester, New Hampshire, is uh, where he 
mocked Joe Biden for not being able to take questions, which, of course, is a, a pretty a pretty rich vein for attack. Now you have a whole little time to think about it, but we'll take a few questions, OK? You think Biden takes questions? I don't think so. I don't think so. You saw yesterday he had the cue card. He said, call this one. This is what she's going to ask. And here's the answer. They never did that with me in the White House, I can tell you. <laughs> Fact check true. He also said, you know, we are going to settle unfinished business. Now, again, this is going to be the pitch. This is sort of medium Trump, right? Again, I think best Trump is my agenda while I was president was way better than Joe Biden's agenda. We were way more successful, successful than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a failure on every front. And that was being hampered by the media and being hampered by the deep state. Put me back in and you will get something better than you have right now. That is the best form of Donald Trump. And I'm standing in the way of the predations that Joe Biden wishes to visit upon you, right? That's his actual campaign. The we're going to settle unfinished business stuff is kind of smacks of 2020 election nonsense. And I don't think that is particularly useful, but he sort of halves the baby here in this pitch. With your vote on November 5th, 2024, we're going to crush Joe Biden and the the White House, that gorgeous, beautiful White House. We have to take it back. We're going to beat him at the ballot box and we're going to settle our unfinished business. It's unfinished. It's beautiful, magnificent. They call it the White House. It's unbelievable. Uh, he, he also made the suggestion, again, correct, that the true threat to democracy in the United States is Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, who have been attempting to centralize power in the executive branch, who wish to overrun all state authority. I mean, they, for God's sake, they have the Department of Justice now attacking the state of Tennessee for trying to ban mutilation of children. Here was Donald Trump. In it, he says he's running because Trump and MAGA pose a threat to democracy. Can you believe it? Got to explain. MAGA is make America great again, right? No, no threat there. No, it's uh, Biden who poses the threat to democracy because he is grossly incompetent, has no idea what he's doing, and basically he doesn't have a clue. And that's a very bad position to put our country in. Okay, again, fact check true. Fact check true. By the way, Jim Vandehey of Axios is reporting now that White House officials say it's actually difficult to schedule public or private events with Joe Biden in the morning, in the evening, or on weekends. Like in the, so what's left? Apparently, the vast majority of Biden's public events happen on weekdays between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. <laughs> that's when he goes to sleep and that's when he wakes up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that, that basically exhausts the, the good Trump for yesterday in Man Manchester. Again, he's he's very entertaining guy. He's going to continue to be entertaining. But unfortunately, he also does, you know, the bad Trump kind of stuff. Right? Unfortunately, he, he does some of this. So uh, here's some bad Trump. He, uh, he has decided that now Hillary Clinton is lovely and beautiful. I just, I don't, uh, but why? But why? Because- he, he wants to repurpose crooked Hillary. You call it crooked Hillary. He wants to repurpose it, as we'll see. I will be retiring the name crooked from Hillary Clinton and her moniker. And I'm going to give her a new name. I don't know, like maybe lovely Hillary or beautiful Hillary. But I'm going to retire the name crooked so that we can use the name for Joe Biden because he'll be known from now on as Crooked Joe Biden. As Crooked Joe. That's what... His nickname game is off. I gotta just say it. Ronda Sanctimonious is a bad nickname. Crooked Joe is a bad nickname. 
What? I guess he doesn't want to reuse Sleepy Joe because he already exhausted the possibilities on Sleepy Joe. But, but Crooked Joe, I mean, like, again, Crooked Hillary was, was pretty good branding. I, I need, I need like, I, yeah, exactly. Somebody is suggesting Bent Biden, Bent Biden. I, I, I don't know, that, that's pretty British. He's bent. Um, but there's got to be something better than that. Crooked Joe. Okay, so, so but I, I also love that he's now trying to rehabilitate Hillary Clinton. Like, this is the thing about Trump. It's, it's why people love him. It's also why people hate him. He has no principles at all when it comes to which angle he's going to attack from. As I said, all the way back in 2016, he's the guy you didn't want to fight in high school, not because he was like an amazing fighter, but because you never knew whether he was just carrying like a brick in his backpack, right? You were just going to be like having a fist fight and suddenly he reaches in and grabs a brick and hits you with it. He's like a cartoon character, President Trump, when it comes to these fights. He's like a cartoon character who goes into his Mary Poppins bag and he takes out like a stick of dynamite, just hands it to you. You just don't know what's coming. Let's take, for example, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham doesn't know whether he's going or whether he's coming. I mean, Lindsey Graham, the senator from South Carolina, who's been a lackey and a sycophant for President Trump for years. So I go to a Passover program down here in Florida and President Trump very often will kind of stop by that Passover program and say hello to people. Well, a couple of years ago, he stops by with Lindsey Graham in tow and they're going golfing because right? it's, it's at one of Trump's properties. And Lindsey Graham is in tow. This is really funny. And, and Lindsey Graham, apparently, he, he comes up to the crowd and he's like working the crowd. And, he, and he's saying like, he's like you know, guys, we've got to stop that Iran deal. We work real hard to stop that Iran deal. And everybody starts clapping and cheering. And Donald Trump muscles in and literally pushes Lindsey Graham aside. And he says, why are you listening to Lindsay? No one cares what Lindsay has to say. It's like, ah, President Trump. So this is the thing about Trump. Again, it's, it's one of the reasons why people have faith that he is going to attack Joe Biden using literally anything at his disposal, because he will. I mean, he's the guy who showed up in 2016 with a bunch of Bill Clinton sexual harassment victims in tow. He is that guy. But it also means that there's no predictability as to what he's actually going to do. No one knows what's coming next. So I don't even know whether to put this in good Trump or bad Trump. It's just kind of like wild Trump. We need like a new category of wild Trump. Here he was attacking Lindsey Graham, who's like his biggest backer as a progressive, and then walking it back and talking about how awesome Lindsey Graham is. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. Do you know what's happening here? It's funny, but I don't know what's happening. So if India charges our companies 100, we charge their companies 100. It's very simple. And yet we have people... In Congress that say, no, I don't think that's good. Anybody that says that's no good. Very interesting. Lindsey Graham, the progressive from South Carolina. No, he's a progressive. Everyone's booing him. But he's got some good but things, he's, too. But, okay? he's good. but Lindsey Graham, I said to him, Lindsey, you got to go along with this. We were all set to get it done. You got to go along with this. He says, so let me let me get this straight. If they charge us, we charge them the same thing. He said it's not his strength. Other things are his strength. He said, so they charge us, we charge them, same thing, right? Yeah, you got my vote. That's so easy. Again, the question for, for who you want to run against Joe Biden is going to be this. We did this already, right? In 2020, Donald Trump did. He like threw everything to think of at Joe Biden, including the Hunter stuff. And it didn't really seem to stick to Joe Biden, mainly because there was no, con there was no sense of solidity about Donald Trump as president. This is really the problem for Trump in 2020. It became a referendum on Trump, not on Biden. If you would like it to be a referendum on Joe Biden, what you need is a sense of solidity, a sense of stability. That's what the American people keep saying over and over in every single election, basically since 2016. Since 2016, every election has been. Can we get back to like some sense of normalcy here? Like just like 
where I don't have to think about what's going on at the top level every day. That's what people thought they were electing when they elected actual inanimate object, warmed over corpse, room temperature level corpse, Joe Biden. They thought, hey, if we elect this moldering body, nothing will happen. And then Joe Biden turned out to be, he, he stripped off his suit. He's like, and he goes, it's like, hello, I'm Bunley and I'm here. They're like, whoa, where'd that come from? And so now everybody's looking for stability and solidity. Joe Biden does not look solid. He does not look stable. He does not even look as though he is capable of answering questions in non-benighted fashion. I mean, he, he, he does not look mentally stable or physically, by the way. He might, as I've said before, watching Joe Biden walk up a flight of stairs, like watching the Walendas cross a volcano on a tightrope. You don't know exactly what's going to come next. And you, the reason you watch the Walendas is not because you, you're hoping they'll make it across. It's because you want to be watching if, God forbid, they don't. Joe Biden, every time he goes up Air Force One and then falls upstairs, which is nearly impossible, by the way, and he falls upstairs, you're like, I could be watching like the death of a president in real time, God forbid. So all Republicans have to do is provide somebody who has the capacity to attack, but also seems somewhat stable. So that's going to be the question. Do you, do you, is freewheeling, like, I understand it's very satisfying to watch the cartoon attack, the kind of like out of nowhere, let me pull out, like he's going into his bag. Is he pulling out a rubber hammer or is it going to be a chainsaw? No one knows. And I understand. I'm entertained by it too. It's funny. Is it going to be successful is the question because there is no substitute for victory. Joe Biden has the entire media on his side, the entire media on his side, the legacy media. They will not ask him tough questions. Who's going to make him answer the tough questions? That's the real, that, that's going to be the, the question of the 2024 campaign. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to a stunning new report that suggests that 25% of all high schoolers in the United States now say they are LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign, ampersand, hashtag, poop emoji. We'll get to that in just one second. First, we recently celebrated the 75th anniversary of Israel's independence. Coincidentally, the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is also celebrating 40 years of ministry. Today, thousands of Jews, both in Israel and in war-torn Ukraine, struggle to survive life-threatening crises, including extreme poverty, hunger, and violence in the form of conflict, anti-Semitism, and terrorism. Among these vulnerable populations are tens of thousands of Holocaust survivors and elderly Jews who aren't going to survive without basic needs. If you ever met a Holocaust survivor, I mean, you talk about people who have gone through the ringer. If you're a Holocaust survivor and you live in Ukraine, this means that you went through the ringer with the Holocaust, and then you were occupied by the Soviets under, <laughs> under Joseph Stalin. And then... You lived, you've lived through several wars with Russia, and now you might not have food. So if you can help them out, why not? With just 40 bucks, you can provide one person with an emergency food box and hot meals for one week. Today, we have a special matching opportunity where your gift will double in impact. A $40 gift becomes an $80 gift. A $100 gift becomes a $200 gift. Go to benforthefellowship.org or call 800-331-3737 to rush an emergency food box today. Your special gift will double in impact to provide those in need with twice as much nourishment. That's benforthefellowship.org or call 800 331 3737. Well, meanwhile, there is a brand new study out. And as predicted, it suggests that generation on generation, every new generation of Americans is increasingly more gay. <laughs> this is not Alex Jones you know, saying, we're turning the frog. Okay, this is the actual data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They have a biannual youth report. It found that 75.5% of 14 to 18 year olds said they were heterosexual in 2021. This is two years old, which means it's higher now. 75.5% which means that 24.5%, one quarter, one in four high schoolers in the United States as of two years ago was saying they were LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign, ampersand, hashtag emoji. It, the remainder say they are bisexual, 12.1%, which by the way is like, it, that's the easy way out of the LGBTQ conundrum. Because as it turns out, the vast majority of people who identify as bisexual in the United States also have sex exclusively with one sex. 
So see, high school girls be like, yes, I'm bisexual. And then every person they date is a boy. Gay or lesbian, 3.2%, which is, again, oodles higher than it has ever been. Other, 3.9%, I don't know what other means. Or said they questioned their sexual, I guess other is like pansexual, polysexual, polyamorous, random sexual, rando sexual. Or said they questioned their sexuality, 5.2%, which again is an easy way of joining the cool kids group. Because to be fully authentic, as we've discussed before, the cult of authenticity, individual authenticity in the United States, you claim that you're a victim. The easiest way to claim that you're a victim in the United States is to claim that you're a member of a sexual minority. Because here's the thing. All the other members of minority groups in the United States actually have ethnic minority status. Right? They actually have a thing that you can look at them and be like, oh, yes, you're a member of a formerly or currently victimized group. However, if you declare your own sexual desire, this now places you in the category of victimized group without you actually having to do anything that gets you victimized and actually gets you valorized in today's media. As we've been told by the Biden administration, the greatest heroes among us are the trans youth. That's literally something that Joe Biden said. He said the bravest people in America are little boys who think they are little girls. The percentage of students who do not view themselves as straight has more than doubled in recent years, from 11% in 2015 to 25% in 2021. So I have a question. Is this all biological? It's all biological, right? I mean, that, that is how you double the percentage of people who view themselves as not straight from a, more than double it, from 11% eight years ago to 25% in 2021, two years ago. So that's a six-year gap and a more than doubling of the percentage of high schoolers who say they are LGBTQ plus IA divided by sign. Does that sound like we've reached like a Darwinian evolutionary bottleneck? I keep saying this over and over because the great lie that we have been told for 30 years is that sexual orientation and behavior is entirely genetic. The evidence to back this does not exist. They did a study from the Human Genome Project. It was buried by the media because they didn't like this study. I know because I talked to some of the people who performed the study. And what it found is that there is no such thing as a quote unquote gay gene. There is no gay gene. The linkage is between genetic profiles for risk-taking behavior and differently oriented sexual behavior. That doesn't mean there's no genetic component to gay, lesbian, bisexual. What it does mean is the idea that there is like a binary on-off switch for gay or lesbian or a binary on-off switch that, that is yet to be found in the genetic profile. But we're all operating under that assumption. Why is that important? The only reason that's important, like I don't care about that actually, because to me, no matter what your biology drives you to do, that does not excuse your behavior. And male biology drives men toward polyamory Right? Male biology drives men to have sex with as many women, typically speaking, as humanly possible. And yet we've developed entire social systems around the idea that men should be monogamous with one woman. That's a denial of the biological imperative for men to procreate with as many women as humanly possible. But we've decided, you know what? As a society, correctly, we have decided over the course of thousands of years, this is a, a useless and bad and counterproductive way of men approaching their sexual behavior. So I don't really care about biological, not biological. The reason this matters is because the argument that's constantly made is that you can change social standards. You can explode rules and explode roles. And it will not change the percentages of behavior among young people because the only people who are going to act this way are the people who are biologically driven to do that. And that's unchanging. This is why you will see people pointing out that there's been a 2000% increase in transsexual identification, transgender identification. You'll point that out and they'll say, well, you know, way back in the day, Fewer people identified as left-handed because left-handedness is a genetic trait. So first of all, that, that stat is absolutely meaningless because you're talking about basically a doubling of the population of left-handers based on, we used to try to force left-handers to write right-handed in a lot of cultures. It, that is not the same thing as a 2,000% increase in a fringe identification or in sexual behavior. Okay, that, not remotely close. So what they try to do is they say, well, it's just our increased tolerance. But then at the same time, they'll say, 
our increased tolerance does not make up for the fact that we are a wildly discriminatory society. So they'll say that you have 25% of young people identifying as LGBTQ plus because of increased tolerance in American society for this behavior. So everyone, one quarter of the population was always gay. One quarter of the population was always trans, bisexual. Only now they feel free to flower like a butterfly coming out of the cocoon because our society is so open and, and caring, you see. But also our society is brutal and vicious and terrible. Our society makes all these people victims. The worst thing you can be in America is an LGBTQI plus person. But American society is also so wonderful and tolerant. that You have one quarter of all young people who are now identifying this way. None of this makes any sense. None of this makes any sense. It is all part of a general progressive ideology that is not progressive. It is transgressive. It's about the idea that the only thing that matters about you is your subjective sense of self-identity. And any imposition, institutional, religious, legal, any institution that imposes on what you feel on the inside this very moment, those all need to be done away with so you can be your most authentic self and authenticity is heroism. Guess what? Authenticity is not heroism. Doing things for other people is heroism. Acting in ways that help society, that's heroic. You know what's not heroic? Waking up in the morning and taking a piss. That's not heroic. That is you being yourself. That's you fulfilling a biological imperative. It's not heroic. It, it's, it's amazing to see how this, again, look at, look at the way that this is pitched. Dr. Molly Black, by the way, Another reason this is important is because, shockingly, one-third of U.S. teen girls seriously considered attempting suicide in 2021. I know we're pretending that all this has to do with the pandemic. It does not all have to do with the pandemic. The wild increase that we have seen in both alternative sexual identity and mentally ill, suicidally ideated behavior among teens, these are heavily associated. The way that you can tell this is because the suicidal ideation rate and actual suicidality rate among LGBTQ plus minus divided by sign teens is leagues higher than it is for straight identified teens. So if you have a bunch more people identifying this way that has a, a identifying as an alternative sexual orientation or gender identity, and that group has attendant upon it a much, much, like leagues higher rate of suicidal ideation and actual suicidal attempt, then why would you be shocked at the association between both of those numbers going up extraordinarily wildly? And yes, a lot of this is located among young girls. Because that is where you are seeing a wild uptick in this sort of behavior. A huge percentage of this is driven by social media. But how does the scientific community answer this? Instead of saying this is a social contagion that you may want to protect your kids from so they can actually flourish and they can actually find out who they are without the imposition of a perverse social media incentive structure. Instead, they're like, no, no, no. It's just that we, they were, everyone was always like this. Everyone's gay. Dr. Molly Blackburn, who teaches sexuality studies at Ohio State University, so a professional useless person, she says, quote, it's an increase in acceptance from both parents and society. Accepting people creates a context where a child will be more willing to say they are gay. She does not think the actual number of children who are truly gay, lesbian, or bisexual has changed in recent years, but that young people are more willing to admit it now. That's such, it's obvious crap. I'm sorry, that's so, that's so clearly untrue. Name another behavior that was biologically ingrained, okay, that was and the same across all human societies for all time. Because remember, there should not be a differentiation in the biology, male and female, between us and Afghanistan, between us and China. And yet you see these wildly variant rates. Is that all just about? So I guess one quarter of the Chinese are also LGBTQI plus minus divided by seven. One quarter of Nigerians, the same. One quarter of all humanity is like this. Minimum, because the numbers are continuing to go up. It's probably 40%. Now you're going to have to explain exactly how humanity has continued to grow. Like how the numbers have actually continued to grow. Jay Richard, senior research fellow at the conservative think tank Heritage, said the US was an outlier. Correct. He said the rise of gender studies in American schools was partly behind the rise. He says, there's no doubt in my mind, schools are absolutely playing a role in this growth. Of course, that's true. And social media and TikTok and all the rest of this. And is it making kids happier? 
Are they healthier? Are they better off? All you parents who have been taught that your chief role in, in life is to validate your children, to accept all of their behavior. Wrong. This is not your chief role. <laughs> that is the recipe for horrific parenting. Your chief role in society is to teach your kids the rules of the road, to civilize your children, to tell them what is good for them, what has been societally proved to be good for them. You know what the proof is? The proof is in that suicidal ideation rate. It's not a coincidence. The left knows this, by the way, which is why the left is increasingly pushing for fascistic solutions to cram down terrible ideas on children. Dylan Mulvaney, hero of the Republic, man who says he's a woman for a grand total of a year. Actually, he's just a flamboyant gay man, but dresses in women's clothing and gets all sorts of lucrative endorsement deals. Now says we should use the federal government to criminalize anybody who refuses to pretend that Dylan Mulvaney, a man with a dick, is actually a woman. Here's Dylan Mulvaney. Like the articles written about me using he pronouns and calling me a man over and over again. And I, I feel like that should be illegal. I, I don't know. That's that's just bad journalism. Oh, so the journalist should be forced to use your your preferred pronouns. By dint of law, I have a question. Who's cramming down what on whom? Who's you, you literally want to force people to lie about reality. This is what you want. Because you have to, because the reality is that, guess what? Reality always wins. As I always say, and it's easy to get depressed about this stuff, but let's be real about this. Reality is always going to win. Societies that don't obliterate the distinction between male and female, they will be successful. Societies that obliterate that distinction will be unsuccessful. Societies that incentivize sexual behavior that is statistically abnormal. Societies that do this sort of thing are likely to not prosper. Societies that do not incentivize that are likely to prosper, at least demographically. But, you know, our entire media class have decided to buy into this as a sign of virtue. My least favorite form of this is when we have uh, people who know so little about the Bible that it would make their heads spin. Like, they can't name the first five books. They probably can't name the first two books. Talking about the Bible, here is uh, Whoopi Goldberg, great intellectual of our age, explaining that the Bible supports parents getting trans surgeries for their children. I'm going to need an explanation, Whoopi. This is a party that says we believe in parents' rights. Mm -hmm. You're telling me that as a parent, I don't, I'm not smart enough to decide if my child and I need to have gender affirming. Our yeah. doctors are not involved. What is going on? So I can't, my, I can't decide what my kid reads. I can't decide yep. for my child what my child says is going on. Yep. You're telling me your beliefs, your and they keep saying it, and I keep saying, what Bible are you reading? Yeah. Because God was really clear. God was really clear that you should be able to trans your kids. I'm pretty sure God says not anything remotely like that. And the only analog to what we are currently doing to our children is child sacrifice to Molech. That's literally the only analog that I can find in the Bible to anything remotely like what, what Hillary, uh, what, what Wilby Goldberg here is, is talking about. But again, this has become part and parcel of sort of the democratic agenda. And the democratic agenda is to mainstream this garbage and then do it in the name of God, which is just, I mean, the, you want to you talk about a violation of the commandment not to use God's name in vain? This would be it. Here is Joe Biden doing it. I want you to know that your president sees you. Jill, Kamala, Doug, our entire administration sees you for who you are, made in the image of God and deserving of dignity, respect and support. But we know it's hard. When there are those out there who don't see you and don't respect you. For example, the onslaught of anti-transgender state laws attacking you and your families is simply wrong. 
And, and uh, he says, the image of God, the image of God, right? This is the language that Joe Biden uses, the image of God. He doesn't even finish reading the verse because if you finish reading the verse, you got a problem. The literal verse in Genesis says that man was made in the image of God, male and female, he made them. Joe Biden just ignores that part. You know, this is all part and parcel of a broader social contagion that is being promoted by the left in order to explode institutions they see as patriarchal and discriminatory. That's what this is all about. It's about the transgressivism. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, things that I like today. There are, there are a couple of people I saw online, not many, who are, who are giving flack to Mattel for now creating a Down Syndrome Barbie. I don't see the problem. Not only do I not see the problem, I think this is a good thing. I, I'm frankly confused as to why anyone would think that this is a bad thing. We are not talking about creating a Barbie doll that is differently sexually oriented in order to indoctrinate your children in a particular viewpoint about the world. We're talking about making people with Down syndrome, an actual genetic condition, feel accepted in society. That's a good thing, considering the left generalized push right now to, to eugenicize birth. And the left makes a case about abortion that basically, if you are a Down syndrome person in the womb, you should be killed. So I'm very pleased that Mattel has taken the pro-life stance, which is that being Down syndrome does not mean that there is something horribly wrong with you. It is just a condition that some people have and we should and we should make society more accepting for people down like I don't see any problem with this whatsoever. In fact, I think it's a good thing. She's saying I found my place in society and I want to share my experience is a, a French girl who is a, who has Down syndrome. Barbie can play and show the world that you can live happily with Down syndrome. Early experiences. And we're dedicated to combating social stigma and enabling all children to see themselves in Barbie, as well as have a Barbie that reflects the world around them. This is very nice. Uh, uh, anybody who says this is not very nice, uh, this is not woke. It's not woke to say that Down syndrome people and Down syndrome kids should have a, a Barbie that, that looks like them. Yeah, I don't see anything woke about that whatsoever. In fact, as I say, I think it's a pro-life argument, even if they don't intend it to be a pro-life argument. Okay, meanwhile, other things that I like. So it is hysterical to me that California has failed so many times that now they've been kind of shocked rudely back into some form of reality. According to the Los Angeles Times, California is now shifting to an experiment in coercion to treat the homeless. Wait, you mean that your idea of simply letting them live on the street and then giving them actual toilet stalls underneath the freeway overpasses, that that wasn't actually solving the homeless problem? Oh, be still my beating heart. According to the Washington Post, in a few months, altering its past path, California will begin an experiment in what amounts to coercive compassion, an initiative that, unlike today's mental health system, will force people into treatment programs instead of jail and monitor their progress for at least a year. You know who's been calling for this for literally decades at this point? That would be me. If you are a person who is living on the street because you have schizophrenia and you're not taking your pills, you need to not be on the streets. We should be getting you the care that you require even if you don't consent to that care because you are schizophrenic and are not capable of taking care of yourself. In California, sharp criticism has been raised, including by medical associations and civil rights groups, that the system Governor Gavin Newsom has pushed will stigmatize people with certain mental illnesses and fail to provide enough protection for them from being drawn into the proposed process. Severe housing shortages for the mentally ill are key questions that have yet to be answered. But Newsom is now being shocked into reality by the fact that tens of thousands of mentally ill people are living on the streets, being a danger to themselves and others. The program known as Care Courts will make it easier for the state to intervene in the mental health treatment of its most severely ill residents after spending $20 billion over the past five years to get people off the streets. So um, 
again, the fact that there are people on the left to oppose this, I'm going to need an explanation as to why it is better for a person with severe schizophrenia to live on the street in their own filth than it is to push them into a program where they can get the care that they actually require. Okay, time for some things that I hate. When I talk about people who are deliberately transgressive, this obviously applies to these climate change activists and who, who they're criminals who have decided that they are going to attempt to deface works of art or at least areas around works of art in order to draw attention to their idiotic cause. According to the Washington Post, protesters have now smeared black and red paint on the case and pedestal of Edgar Degas, Little Dancer, age 14, sculpture at the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. The protesters slathered their hands, then crouched down to paint the pedestal on which the ballerina sculpture is displayed. And they stood up and smeared their hands across the clear case protecting the artwork. Police removed the two people in handcuffs and ushered out the people inside the gallery. Uh, here is a little bit of footage of these morons. Uh, where's security? Where's security? Seriously, why are you just standing around? Look at that guy in the back. He's security. He's just standing around. Tackle these idiots. Slap the handcuffs on him. There's like multiple security members right there. Do something. We are adults. We should be at home working. I have a job that requires... Yeah, you should. ...health and safety, but I can't do my job unless I have a government that does their job in looking out for the health and safety of our children. Hmm. You can't do your job unless you... Uh, well, I mean, I, I doubt you have a job, number one. Uh, apparently, one of the, uh, the the woman who's sitting there, she says, this is why we decided to come visit this beautiful, beloved child the world knows. She's imperfect, like we are all imperfect, but she's strong and she's not resigned to destruction. Um, First of all, she's an inanimate object. Second of all, Degas created something of actual beauty. All you guys do is destroy things and deface things on behalf of your own political point of view. And it's gross. So here is what security should do. When people do this, you should tackle the living crap out of them. They're engaging in a crime. You should tackle them. You should slap the cuffs on them. They should go to jail. You do this like three times and all this crap will stop. It's a, we've now seen this done to paintings by Van Gogh. There have been a multiplicity of, of paintings that have now been defaced or attempted to, I think they tried to do this to the Mona Lisa, if I recall correctly. Like, I, I don't understand why security stands around and allows that. What is your job? What is it you would say you do? Prosecute these people to the full extent of the law, slap them behind bars. And then, listen, if you want to protest, go outside with the sign. Don't deface works of art in the name of, of supposedly bettering humanity. Meanwhile, speaking of people who are entirely disconnected, Barack Obama is now doing a new series where he talks to people who work for a living. It's really exciting. It's a Netflix documentary. Now, again, it, it must be wonderful to be a former Democratic president because you can have lit the world on fire and then, you know, let, and then just left. And you get a $100 million deal from Netflix. So now he has a new Netflix documentary called Working, What We Do All Day. Well, not him. I mean, he's, you know, in Martha's Vineyard. But working, what we do all day. So CNN has a new trailer. Here we go. We may not think about it, but we're all a part of something larger than any single one of us. And our work is one of the forces yep, that connects us. It looks crazy downtown. Good morning to Pitts Hodge to tell me to assist you. A revolution wow, Barack Obama is going to talk with the real people. What happened if they replace you with a machine? Artificial intelligence, remote work, spiraling inequality. Well, it can be hard to make sense of synergy. where we're going. What if people from three different industries, from the service entrance to the C-suite, invited us into their lives and told us, what makes a good job good? I just want to be at home, my fridge is full, to provide. my bills is paid, wow. that's peace. 
have it all. What responsibility do you have to other people? What comes from people should go back to people uh, here we go. multiple times over. I got a jam coming. I can hear it. They don't believe in working a nine to five. Oh, like he's so cool, done. man. Money he's so cool. Sure, he wrecked the country, but he's, he's cool. <laughs> I'm working nine more years. And what I'm responsibility do we have to other people? There's the responsibility life? to steal other people's money and then give it around. Uh, working, what we do all day. Um, not if Barack Obama had his way or the Democratic Party. They are literally attempting right now as we speak to remove work requirements from welfare bills. This is, this is what they do. Because again, it's going to be fascinating. Honestly, I'll be interested to watch what his case is. Is his case that we should not be working? That work is bad? Or is this case the work is good? And why does it provide us meaning? Because if he gets into that, then he might have to get into things like family structure. He might have to get into things like community and religious meaning. I don't think this is the direction in which this is going to go. I think this is going to go in a very Bernie Sanders direction, which is all about the evils of your employers. Okay, we'll find out. Alrighty, folks, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be getting into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use Code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 